you're listening to Think Sustainability. This episode is hosted by Cameron Furlong. Put yourself in this scenario. You're in a regional town. It's been raining non-stop for weeks and you and your family have taken refuge in the town hall. Suddenly, the power goes off, leaving you and dozens of other families sheltering here without power. This is the unfortunate reality for tens of thousands of Australians affected by fire and flood every year. With Australia's low population density and with towns scattered across regional areas, electricity has to travel great distances to reach these communities, and which makes them especially susceptible to natural disasters. Meaning these communities are left without power and access to basic amenities during the times they need it most. However, there is research being conducted into the viability of microgrids, small local electricity grids powered by renewable sources that can provide backup power during times of crisis. And the results have been promising. Dr. Sarah Nicholas, Senior Research Consultant at UTS's Institute for Sustainable Futures, is one of the minds behind the research into microgrids. I had a chat with Sarah about the implementation of microgrids and what they could mean for rural and regional communities. Just to get us started off, very basic, um, introductory course into microgrids. So what is it? What are they? Um, yeah, I think um, the best way to describe a microgrid is to um, say what it isn't. So if you compare it to the conventional grid, um, which is you know, a very centralized system, the microgrid is a distributed system. So um, if you think about the conventional infrastructure, you have the the power source, which is a power station, and then that um, energy gets transmitted via um, transmission lines at high voltage, and then at a substation, it gets transformed into lower voltage and distributed via the distribution lines to to households. And so the microgrid is um, another sort of system that moves the electricity um, over like a shorter distance. So you have, you could have a microgrid on top of a large building and then use that electricity for the services that you need. And so microgrids would normally be powered by a renewable source? Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the idea because it's that a lot, Renewable energy is a lot more flexible. You can have solar panels on your roof or you can have like a, a small wind farm or a few wind turbines um, nearby, whereas if you would go with conventional sources, um, you wouldn't want them near you know, a settlement or a community. So are there any examples at the moment of microgrids that have been sort of implemented and are operational in Australia? Or are they sort of a little bit more... Uh, theoretical, I guess. There are a, a number of large projects. There's um, one, one project that ISF is involved in as well, which is the Hayfield um, microgrid, which is in Victoria. And that's sort of um, a very community-focused microgrid that um, powers up to 700 homes. So, so that's sort of in the demonstration phase at the moment. Uh, so will they be more useful to be used in smaller communities, say smaller rural communities, rather than metro areas? Um, 
I think the, the focus is on um, regional and remote communities because um, they're often at the end of the distribution line. So um, if, if the distribution line gets disturbed by, let's say, heavy winds or bushfire, that community will be cut off from the grid. Um, and so the, the microgrid sort of um, provides a more reliable and if powered by renewables, clean source um, of electricity for um, like a smaller number of people. And so the, the whole energy infrastructure, which is extremely expensive, if you extend it out um, several hundred kilometers, and needs to be maintained by the network providers. And so what the microgrid um, also helps with is to, to make this whole infrastructure a lot cheaper. And I suppose a microgrid uh, installed in a rural community would also be more uh, insulated from, as you said, damage or disruption from natural disasters. So there is a sort of an idea, I, as, I, I guess, to implement these um, microgrids as fail-safes in, in times of crisis. Yeah, so if you would have, um, for example, a, a bushfire that's, that's coming through the region and um, you would have a, a, a microgrid installed on top of an evacuation centre, um, that, that would be really useful to, to sort of provide the um, community and, and everyone who is sort of um, moving away from the fire with, with essential services which is, you know, water purification, heating, cooling, refrigeration, or, or any sort of um, life-saving um, equipments. Uh, do you think these microgrids could be successfully implemented in metro areas? So maybe serving specific suburbs around, say, Sydney um, as, a, as a way to introduce renewables into a metro area electricity grid? Yeah, so there's, there's one sort of approach to use um, microgrids um, for sort of heavy, heavily commercialized areas where you have a lot of um, energy demand um, in, a, in a sort of small area. And so those, those microgrids could help, um, you know, businesses or, or other commercial um, activities to take the pressure of the main grid and to, to introduce more renewables as well. Historically with power grids, uh, I, my knowledge of power history is limited. Um, uh, I just thinking the, you know, back when first uh, electricity was being sort of set up the, the uh, electricity, with the Electricity Commission, there was a lot of individual power stations around Sydney that I guess are analogous to, to microgrids. I could be wrong, so stop me if, I, if I'm going on the wrong path. What's stopping uh, there being, a, you know, uh, it's an over, I guess, uh, over complication of power grids across the state of New South Wales, for example, or Australia, with all these separate microgrids among rural communities? Um, I, think, I think it's the opposite. I think it will simplify. Um, the electricity grid, because at the moment it's it's sort of overcomplicated because um, we've we've built these you know long um, distribution lines to 
small communities, which you know consist of several hundred people, um, and uh, similar to to um, you know in industrial centers. So if 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 those um, regional communities and um, regional industries would have their their own microgrid, um, that would simplify the the system by by a lot. Rather than complicate it yeah. further. Yeah, I, I understand. What are some of the roadblocks that you either have experienced or have seen in implementing microgrids in either rural or industrial areas? I think there's, um, there's areas? a number of um, things that, that needs consideration. And I think the, the main thing is to um, involve the community, so to make sure they have a say. Um, and, and that could start with, um, you know, where where is the microgrid located? Where where is the sort of central meeting point? And um, the community would be the the best, um, yeah, source for for that information. Um, then there's also some issues around ownership, because um, if the a, a lot of the the microgrids are installed. Um, in agreement with the network providers, um, so the so the microgrid can can operate um, independently when when it's sort of that, that's called islanded, but it can also be connected to the main grid. So so in times of um, low demand um, from you know businesses. Um, the the microgrid could could sell electricity to the the main grid, so um, it can go both ways, um, and that's why the the network um, providers are are part of the equation. So that kind of leads into my next question. So there's obvious benefits for microgrids for communities um, when they're cut off from the main grid in times of you know crisis, um, but during you know everyday day-to-day -day normal situations, um, would the microgrids be offline and operational or would they be providing power back into the, into the main grid or they'd just be operating as normal? Um, that, that depends on the, the setup. If the, the microgrid is built um, in a way that is connected to the grid, um, it could you know, support just, just normal operational um, Things like, you know, keeping the, the fridge running at the local community center or any sort of electrical equipment. Um, and I think the, the island mode is, is really to, you know, keep, keep the microgrid running when, when it's actually um, needed or when it would be cut off from the, the main grid. Could they... Do you also use to charge large you know, um, battery farms for to store electricity for, for later use? Um, so, what what often is done um, as a setup of the microgrid is that you would have um, some sort of energy storage, like a battery, um, that you know would be sitting within the community center. Um, the the other um, option you have is to um, to have a fast charger or like any sort of 
electric vehicle charger. So you could use the, the car or the, the vehicle as a battery as well. So that's, that's called uh, vehicle to grid. So um, it can go both ways. So you could store um, excess electricity in the car battery um, or charge the car. Oh, so who would pay for these microgrids? Would the providers pay for it? Would the community pay for it? Or would there be government grants that people could uh, take advantage of? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, the funding is um, mainly from the federal government. So um, the Commonwealth via the um, Australian Renewable Energy um, Agency, uh, short ARENA, um, they have released um, a number of programs and they have in the past funded microgrids. So from 2014 onwards um, until now, they have had um, feasibility studies and um, pilot programs. And so the latest development um, or the latest funding from ARENA was uh, last year where um, Arena allocated um, $50 million to um, testing and piloting um, microgrids in regional areas. And uh, this year in October, um, Arena provided another source of funding for First Nations um, communities. So that's 80 million um, that are sort of going towards First Nation communities um, and building microgrids there. So have any of those uh, microgrids for First Nations been developed yet or are they still uh, in development? No, that's, uh, that's open for applications. So this was just in October. So that's, um, yeah, still uh, as relatively speaking, new. Yeah. What's this space kind yeah, of? Yeah. And what about the pilot program, pilot ones? Are they still in development as well? Uh, they started last year, so um, I think there have been some, um, some setups. Do you know how they've, they've been going? Um, yeah, there, there have been a, a number of communities that have applied for the funding, and so they're in consultation at the moment. What's your ideal world with a grid populated by micro, microgrids? What's the, like, the ideal situation that you'd like to see? Yeah, I think um, the, the two points that are mentioned um, in the beginning, that um, community consultation and not only consultation, but engagement is really important to increase the acceptability um, of those systems and um, to m move away from sort of a top-down approach and, and really include the community uh, to create some um, yeah, ownership in, in terms of um, actual ownership, but, but also like a literal ownership. So, and just another point, um, what about farms? So would each, would, could there be a situation where each farm has their own microgrid or would they be connected to a community microgrid or would they still be getting their electricity from the main line? Yeah, so um, with, with large farms, um, I think they, they could have their own um, like microgrid because there is a lot of roof space that's available. Um, if, you, if you look at farms, um, a lot of sheds um, 
And so they, they could be um, self-sufficient in um, that way. They could also connect with a nearby farm and sort of do a peer-to-peer -peer, um, arrangement where um, they, they share electricity depending on when it's needed. There's probably one, um, one aspect, and I think that's sort of moving more into the discussion at the moment, which is the, the idea of climate resilience. And I think the, the last few years have been um, speaking for themselves um, in terms of um, you know, climate change is here and it, it will be difficult to, to handle. And I think um, adjusting the electricity infrastructure, but also um, getting us started with a proper transition towards renewables. Um, I think microgrids are really important um, in, in that development. And um, yeah, it, it should be sort of a, an asset that's accessible for, for different and, and diverse groups. And I think the First Nations um, program is, is really important. This episode is hosted by Cameron Furlong. You can listen to Cameron on our Think Digital Futures podcast, which explores how today's technology is transforming tomorrow. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts.